Safa. You have an amazing circuitous way of speaking. And I wonder if you could continue in the vein of being a, a woman of color in Paris over the decades and how those experiences in a country that doesn't like to talk about race uh, are coming up now in a period of resurgence and this very weak statues of Christopher Columbus falling, being beheaded. Um, I wonder if you could talk about this moment in time, which seems really extraordinary. Um, and you, we'll talk later about uh, revolution in Egypt, but I wondered if you could speak a little bit about France. Yeah. Um, as a young girl, I came when I was uh, to Paris when I was about 21, 22 years old. It's very young. It's very young for Egypt to, to and, I, and I arrived without um, grants, uh, without support really. It was very, very little support some, from some friends. Um, and before I arrived, I had some um, conceptions. Um, and some of the conceptions I had, and you know, I knew about the civil rights movement in 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 the uh, U.S. I knew, of course, about Martin Luther. I was very political, so I know about all these things. I knew about um, Angela Davis. I remember very well. Um, so I knew about these things, but somehow to know theoretically about something is so different from the experience of. Uh, experiencing racism. That's something I, I really, I, I, I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe this is possible. So I arrived 21, 22 years old to Paris. And uh, let alone the questions, because I managed to go to university and eventually I managed to get papers, but, you know, residence papers. but the racism I met in France. I think I'm still having recovered from the trauma of it. I, uh, I really don't, I, I really just couldn't, I just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't conceive this is possible. I just couldn't conceive. It was something, and also just shattered completely, you know, the, the idea I had about the French, although I, I'm just saying, uh, I managed to get some residence papers eventually six months after my arrival, and I managed to go to university. But um, I had experiences, for example, in police stations, in the police um, where I'm you know, trying to find, you know, doing the procedures, uh, the very complicated, stratified, uh, horrible procedures of trying to get some residence papers. And the absurdity of it, because you need to have work to have papers, but you cannot have work without having papers. And that kind of, you know, dilemma they put you in. And um, and all this, you know, I had to falsify all sorts of papers uh, to just to break the circle, because I, there is no way I could have had papers. But, you know, to get to get a, a new employee at the prefecture, you know, to, treating you like really bad and you, you you say excuse me you're a racist and she says yes and I'm proud of it because I don't like people like you being here in France uh, you know I had to deal with that remember uh, we were gassed uh, 
I used to, I, my PhD was about British theatre and German theatre. So they had, and had an Egyptian passport. So I had sometimes to queue uh, for hours, hours and hours, days long, three days in a row, just to get an appointment, to take another appointment, an appointment for the appointment, to ask for uh, an exit visa from Paris to be able to come back again. And we were gassed. Uh, and that, there was a year where it was just like the police, the, they wouldn't allow, they, they were not allowing us in, they were not giving us the appointment for the appointment. And then they called the police and we were gassed outside waiting, you know, to do that. So all these things, um, and you know, in many ways I suffered until suffer from it till now. I actually was um, very, very, very incredibly surprised by the integrity of some of the American youth and people who managed to come out in the streets in the middle of rape in, in solidarity. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's heart heartening. It's something which makes you believe again in things. Uh, they hear, they started to follow the example, of course. You know, there was an, an, a demonstration for, there is a case a bit similar to George Floyd here, which is Adame Traore, and they, they came out. Demonstrations are not allowed in France, and they are going to make it law. France has the particularity, if they have an emergency law, and an emergency law finishes, they make it real law afterwards. They have done that before in a state of emergency. Now they are doing it again with the state of emergency, a healthy, health state, sanitary state of emergency. So they're going to not allow demonstrations again till God knows when, after July. Anyway, people came out. I had corona. I was sick with COVID-19. Uh, otherwise, I would have gone out. The gas would have killed me if I had the gas. And they were gassing people, throwing gas canisters from the roofs on people here in, in Paris. So I couldn't, I couldn't take the risk. Uh, I knew about the demonstration, but I couldn't take the risk of going out. Um, I was saying to a friend of mine not very long ago, he said, the problem of this world, that we in our world, we have the political Islam, and in Europe you have the racists, you know, which is very simplistic and very, very simplistic indeed. But there is something there to, to do with the fact that um, um, how any political um, questioning of, of, of the state of the world and any kind of uh, um, possibility of reaching to the actual problem, which is like, you know, I remember you asking, um, you, you, Sarah, asked some of the, I think the, the senator, the American senator, you made an interview, he said, you know, yeah, we can imagine, we cannot imagine, we can imagine the end of the world, we cannot imagine the end of capitalism. So it's like, you know, we came to the, the point that where the, where the end of the world is more possible than the end of capitalism. And who is stopping the end of capitalism? One of the things is racism and the other thing is political Islam. And it's like, it's another form of racism. So it's, um, it's um, heartening uh, to see that, um, and I was like kind of um, really betting on that, uh, I did a, a, a talk for a, a philosophy channel with a friend of mine called Jerome Leb, and it was like how to think the epidemic. 
and the pandemic, you know, it obviously was a, um, it was it was a revealing moment to the, to the, the the dysfunctioning of the whole the whole system. How this functions really, really profoundly. This functions, and one of the revelations the epidemic did, or that that kind of lock, uh, the, the, that 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 point where there is no way afterwards arrived, which with the epidemic, is that racism became very apparent. Um, that the police, we know that the police is being uh, very racist. That one, two extreme right-wing ideas, and, and one of them is uh, white supremacist ideas. And it's not, it's not just the United States, it's here, it's here. Well, I wanted to ask you if you could elaborate on a kind of categorical distinction between the green movement, environmental groups, and the fight for climate and biodiversity, and the black and brown movements uh, for you know civil rights for basic needs and respect, and how those two issues converge. Well, I immediately I thought immediately it's just like intuitive. It's like in my heart immediately when I saw the movements arrive in Philadelphia and in the near east and then followed by other places. Is that this is a search for the environment? You know, immediately I felt that without having without thinking too much. And uh, in a second thought, as you know, I thought when people start saying that we we are in. We, we live together on this earth, in this planet, we live together. And we live together with other um, black or Arab or God knows, whatever, they, whatever name they give to the differences uh, between people, um, that if we live together well, then in our differences, we should also live together well with other creatures. We should also live together well with trees. We should also live together well with oceans. We should also live together with rivers. And we should also remember that we are so a tiny part of such, an, at such a huge and massive and cosmic environment, which, which we are destroying and destroying, you know, irreversibly destroying. And the, 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 there is something of, of in the film Muhammad Sift from the Waters. And remember, Pat, my husband, reminded me of uh, the other day. Said, oh, and I was saying the, the amount of pollution which is taking place in Egypt, the way they dump all sorts of stuff in the river, you know, and uh, how how people are sick with their kidneys. That is the the processing of water in the human body, and how when it's, and it, of course, nature doesn't choose its victims. It can be anybody. Any of us can be a victim. And I'm saying uh, in the film that it's uh, if you if you badly treat and corrupt nature, nature will fight back. And I I thought that the epidemic, that little virus, is that fighting back. The nature fighting back fighting back, fighting for its rights back, wanted, you know, that the, you know, when you saw all these animals arriving in cities and arriving in places where have been deserted because of humans, 
uh, when he saw that, you know, that the air was so much better, you know, all these things allowed, you know, made me think that, you know, um, we have to, to, to stop, we have to put an end to this, uh, we have to stop. And, and, and in a certain way, and, you know, although I suffered personally from the illness and I suffered in the confinement, I personally thought that this epidemic, we've got, there are lessons to be learned and we've got to learn them, we've got to listen to what happened. And when I saw that, it's like in the, one of the biggest economies in the world, if not their biggest economy in the world, like in the US, that people are coming in solidarity with a black citizen and uh, that they're defying, defying the whole order, they're defying, they're defying the epidemic, they're defying the virus, they're defying the gas, they're defying all sorts of things. This is really, so made me think, there is hope. We can hope. We can hope. And uh, the lack of hope was was really painful. And when you see that happening, you say, fine, fine, we build on that. We're going to resist. We're not going to disappear without a fight. We, we are gonna, we're going to resist. We're going to find. And this is because we decided, we put the question, which is a massive, huge question, is that there is, we are one in front of facing nature, facing death, facing, facing, facing crises of all sorts, facing our own personal tragedies, our joys. We are the same people, we are one, and uh, we are equal, equal, in which is, I know, I know philosophically it's a problematic conception, but equal in the sense we have equal rights. We have equal rights, the same very rights. Nobody has the right on the life of another person. It's, it's just as simple as that. And this simplicity, this very simple thing, has been eroded with the time, eroded since the 60s, eroded since the fall of the Berlin Wall, eroded, 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 as if it depended on another foreign rival power to 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 support democracy and support the the basic rights of human beings which is the right to safety and the right to um, to safety of all sorts and uh, security and uh, to to and, and the sacredness of human life and, and of course you know the the, the abolition of violence you know violence against citizens, against unarmed people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a historical moment, and um, I really believe so. And um, it was, yeah, it's, uh, it's, we have to be up to the moment because it's, you know, it's going to be happening now. I think it's going to be happening now. Um, how how is the political forms going to be? I don't know. I mean, the the U.S. showed us like still demonstrations have still uh, a strong power. Is there other forms of action uh, that need to be invented here too? Uh, what's need to be invented? Is there other forms of action apart from defying the police in the streets, which is a very important thing? But is there anything else? As we would like to find out. Uh, I'd like to find out. For people like me who cannot face the gas, for example, what to do. Um, so I would like to find out. I would like to find out, and I'm thinking about it. And uh, 
uh, we'll see what we could do. Even in, within our own work, with the framework of our own work.